Jesus left there and went to the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others and laid them at his feet and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. This is the word of the Lord. Hey church, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Miles, uh, so good to be here with you tonight. Uh, this is an 11th hour sermon, uh, which means that it has been written in the last less than 24 hours, uh, which means it's full of fun and goodness and you might bear with me at some point, uh, but hey, let's have, a, let's have a space of grace here and uh, I'll show grace to you and you can show grace to me, it'd be great, then we're good. Let me pray and um, uh, we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much uh, for you. Thank you for the way you demonstrate to us what compassion is, what compassion looks like. Father, you are big and we are small. Thanks for being our Lord of all. And thanks that you are here tonight, that by your spirit you are doing work in this place. And uh, may we enjoy that work through your word, maybe shaping our hearts to transform us to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're joining us, uh, or if you've forgotten, we are in the midst of the vision series for our church, a period of time every year uh, where we seek to look back at what God has done, look forward in hope of what God is doing, but most importantly, to look up at what, uh, who God is and what he is doing amongst us. Now, particularly, I'll draw your attention to something tonight. Uh, these. These are the core values of our church. These are the things that we hold to dearly to think about and be as a people of God. Faithful at all times, adventurous in all things, and compassionate to all people. I'm going to focus on the last one tonight, compassionate to all people. What does it mean to be compassionate? This story just floods us with ideas of compassion and floods us with uh, so much to see about what we can be in Jesus. Before we get to what compassion is, just want to just like just set some groundwork and some foundation for I think where we are. When we get to what compassion is, we'll get there, but where are we? And I just want to think about what are one of the obstacles for compassion? I think an obstacle for becoming a compassionate church is our tendency towards consumer culture. Doesn't that sound like an essay topic that you should write an essay on? Uh, But let me explain that a little bit more. We are living in the age of consumerism. We are living in an age and stage where we are taught by the culture around us, by the habits that we have, by the things that we buy and do and live in to consume. That you have every right to have the things, whatever the things are. 
This started, uh, well, it didn't start, but it was spurred on by the Industrial Revolution. In the Industrial Revolution, this is what happened. They went from, if you needed like a pot, you had to go down to Mrs. Molly down the road and say, hey, can you make me a pot? And she would take like four weeks to make you a pot. But then what happened in the Industrial Revolution was, they got all the Miss Mollies, they put them in a factory, and they mass-produced pots. And then the question became not, do I need a pot to cook food in? The question became, which pot do I need? Which thing do I need to consume? Do I need a new shirt? It was not the question anymore, but which new shirt do I need? From that point on, the mass production had led to a space in which we are led to consume. And we see it in a whole bunch of other spaces. Here's another example, uh, YouTube. Uh, YouTube uh, started out as a wonderful opportunity for every individual to have the opportunity to share with the world. It was that you might have a voice into the world and share who you are and share your individuality and your uniqueness and share your story that might be a blessing to all the world, that that might be the good that might share and shape the world. It started out with a beautiful, beautiful vision. But YouTube changed a bit, didn't it? It was bought by a particular company and the algorithm changed. It became not about sharing individual stories of the world. It became about, and this is what the, the board of YouTube, they changed their, like, their one line of their purpose statement. They wanted to get, um, I think it was 100 million views per second on YouTube. That was their aim. Because if they got 100 million views on YouTube per second, that would increase what? Their profits. And so you beautiful people, uh, became the customer that they were trying to enslave and get uh, to look at YouTube for hours on end. They're pretty good at that. They've done a good job. We're pretty good at watching lots of YouTube. And so we were drawn in. It moved from being a thing of encouragement to a space where you could share these beautiful things to a space where you were a consumer. YouTube moved from empowering the individual to enslaving us to consume. And then it did one thing even further, which blows my mind. It turned us from consumers into products. Because now they go to the organisations and say, hey, if you buy this much advertising, we can sell you this amount of views. And so we are no longer just consumers, we are also products being sold in the open market. Culture has taught us to consume, and that that consumption has taught us to think about people and things in particular ways. People around us are opportunities to consume. Things and experiences are opportunities for us to consume. In the consumer age, we see everything as a product that might be a blessing to us, and if it's not, then we send it away. We are taught by the culture around us to have a particular kind of cutthroat nature about how we exist. You do you. What is best for you to have? It's more about ourselves, so we avoid hard people, we avoid hard spaces, lone people, we're distracted from the needs of those around us, we consume. And two particular thoughts uh, that come out of that for me are these. In the age of the consumer, uh, we're enslaved to our need for stuff, to praise and honour ourselves. And particularly the second one I'm going to focus on tonight, our compassion is restricted to the boundaries of our own needs. Let's look into this passage that underlines and highlights for us compassion. Let's jump in and we'll see some things that answer some of this stuff. We're jumping with me. I'd love to have Bibles open uh, to Matthew chapter 15. 
First thought, uh, in Jesus we are freed from enslavement to the the gift, uh, to praise the gift giver. This beautiful story that happens uh, in Matthew 15, Jesus has moved from where he was up the north, come down to the Sea of Galilee, he's near the mountainsides and crowds are just flocking to him for multiple days on end. And these beautiful, powerful moments are happening where people are coming, they're coming in pain with deep needs, deep worries, deep fears. The lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute and many others and they come to him, they lay them at his, at his feet and he heals them. People were amazed and they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing. And it's this beautiful, beautiful moment where we get a taste of what God's kingdom looks like, where we get a taste of what heaven will be, where there will be no more lame and, uh, and mute and crippled, where there will be no more blind. We get a taste of what is to come and it's beautiful and good. And then at the end of it, this very interesting line, and they praise the God of Israel. They went with a need, the need was met, and they praised the God of Israel. The fascinating thing in uh, consumer culture, in our culture, we go to get things and fulfil our needs for our own praise. We consume things and get things so that people will think, oh, you're really good. We consume things and get things. We get particular clothes, people think particular things of us. We'll post particular pictures so people will like it a certain amount of times. We consume things so people will think well of us. We consume things so people will look at us and say, they've got it. So consumer culture enslaves us to the need for stuff, to the honour and praise and glory of ourselves. What we see in this is, Jesus' culture draws us into praising God for the good things that he has given us. See, the whole point of Instagram is that uh, they have worked out the colours that will get you to scroll on and on and on and on. They've worked out our brains so that they can draw us into that and make us continue to just flow down that chart. In Jesus' culture, we get something different. Rather than seeking praise and a distraction and absorption into those things, we move something else. It moves us from using everything around us for our own benefit to seeing everything as an opportunity to give thanks. See, in this story, all these people, they get healed, they can see, they can walk, they can speak, and they can be well. And they don't turn around and go, look how good we are. They don't turn around and go, I've received this gift, look at how good I am. They receive the gift and they praise the gift giver. They receive the gift and they praise the gift giver. In consumer culture, what we do is, I have done this, I got this many followers, I've obtained this achievement, I've got this many likes, I've done this many things, I've had this many experiences, how good am I? If I get this and this and this and this, praise me. Look at what I have. The gift becomes our goal and our joy is tied to the gift. And so we see in this passage, see the people, they're not tied to the gift, they're tied to the giver. They're led out of the consumer culture into praising and giving thanks for the one who has blessed them. They praise God for what they have in him. And that's a wonderful opportunity for us to praise God for what we have in him. To look at what God has made and praise him for that cool stuff. To sit and enjoy a wonderful, well-made flat white that the barista has made a unicorn on the top of your coffee. 
and to look at it and go, man, how good is God? He made humans that could make beautiful tasting things that also look amazing and bless me with that today. Rather than consume this, I get to say thanks to God for this. Rather than be addicted to um, my phone and technology that's trying to absorb and turn me into a consumer and shape me to desire and want things like that, I go, isn't that amazing that God made people's brains, that they can invent such amazing things that now I can be a blessing to so many people in the world and they can be a blessing to me, that I can share more than I ever could before, that I can be loved ever more than I could before. Not to be consumed and addicted and enslaved to it, but to treat it as a gift from the giver. All right, that part aside, let's jump into the part that I'm really keen on. In Jesus, we are freed from enslavement to the gift, to praise the gift. Oh, that's the last bit. Next one. In Jesus, our compassion is free to care for the needs of others, from Matthew, Matthew 15. What we see is Jesus has been with these people for three days, and he has a little private chat with his disciples. He turns to them and he says this. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me these three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. In this moment, we see what compassion is. Jesus shows us what compassion looks like. It sees the needs of another and it looks to care for them, to provide for their well-being, to lean in, to love them well. It seeks their safety and their well-being. It seeks their flourishing. It seeks a beautiful care for the other person. And the disciples respond with this, and this is more significant than we initially realise. They say this, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Now this at first seems like just a logistical question, right? He said we need to feed these people, they're like, where do we get the food? But it's only highly significant when we see it in the context of Matthew. See, we know that uh, this is not the only time that Jesus does a food miracle and it's not the only time that um, the disciples are interacting with people. There's actually multiple moments in which this happens and this is one of the penultimate ones. And we see something beautiful about what Jesus is doing in the lives of the disciples. Check this out. We see in Matthew 14:15, which is the other story where they feed the 5,000. And how do the disciples respond to the crowds then? Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Their response to the, to the um, hungry people at that point is, they've got a problem, we should send them away so they can go fix their own problem. And then, I should say 15.23, uh, in Matthew 15.23, uh, this is last week's sermon, the Canaanite woman, and what do they say to her? They say, send her away, she keeps crying out after us. Two moments where the disciples do not show compassion. One where they say, these people have got a problem, we should send them away to go fix it. The second one where they go, this lady has a problem, we should really ignore her because she's, um, she's offending us. And then this one, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? See, so the other two, the problem makes them feel uncomfortable so they're trying to send her away, or the problem is someone else's so they try and send them away. In this situation, the disciples go, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? The problem is not theirs, but ours. The problem is, it becomes not a thing that they have to deal with, but it becomes a thing where they move towards and go, we want to fix this problem for these people. They want to love them and care for them. See, the first situation, they send them away to fix their problem. 
And the second one, they send her away because she is a problem. And the third one, they go, how can we fix this problem? What we see is a beautiful alignment of who they are as they follow Jesus. In the first moment, the disciples try and send away. Jesus shows compassion and he feeds the 5,000. In the second one, the disciples try to send her away. Jesus shows compassion and he heals the um, Canaanite woman's daughter. And then finally, in the passage we're in right now, Jesus and the disciples show compassion. The disciples don't try and send them away. The disciples go, this is an us problem. We need to do this together. We need to care for them and move forward towards them and love them well. We need to be compassionate towards them. See, through walking with Jesus, through doing life with Jesus, through abiding with him, their hearts have been transformed. They love like he loves. They get angry like he gets angry. They are compassionate like he is compassionate. He is teaching his disciples. They receive compassion from Jesus. They see compassion from Jesus towards others. An age of consumer where we see the problems of others as blockers to our own satisfaction. This is a powerful counter-narrative. This is a powerful change of story. The language that we would use in some situations might be, when we see someone else has a problem, sucks for you. Or, not my problem. That sucks for you. Which kind of says, I don't really care. Because sometimes it's not your problem. But here's the beauty of what Jesus' compassion does. It makes other people's problems your problem. It draws you into them. It says, I want to care for you and love you. Because it's true. It's not your problem. But here's another thing. Uh, we are also not Jesus' problem. Our sin was not Jesus' problem. Our sin was our problem. We are our own problem. But what does Jesus do? Rather than ignoring us, rather than just walking away from us, he moves towards us in compassion. It was our problem. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit see it as a we problem, an us problem. Jesus' compassion for our problem leads him to being willing to die on the cross for us. See, Jesus shows us compassion. Consumer culture says, it's not my problem. It sucks for you. Jesus' culture says, I'm moving towards you in your problem. I want to show compassion to you and be in that with you. What we see in this is uh, a couple of things. The first one is, um, the disciples clearly had to learn what compassion was like, right? You know, the day you become a Christian, you don't automatically become like more compassionate. We see in this is the disciples have been walking with Jesus for a long time and over time they grow to be more compassionate. That is true for us as well. How do we grow to be more compassionate? Not do you walk out of this room tonight and go, man, I feel really guilty. Miles, I feel like crap because I'm not very compassionate. No. How do we grow to be more compassionate? We grow in compassion by seeing in God's word his compassion for us and asking the Spirit day by day to do the miraculous work of making us more compassionate to others as God has been to us. 
Jesus teaches us to be compassionate by showing us compassion. In Jesus, our compassion is free to care for the needs of others. Jesus teaches us to be compassionate by being compassionate to us. It frees us from the consumer nature of life to care for others, to be there for others, to lean into other people's problems and lives. Not to be bossy, not to be gossipy, but to be in as a part of their life to say, I'm for you. At your worst, I am for you. At your best, I'm also for you. It's just much easier. The heart of who God is, is a heart of compassion as he leans into our greatest problem and dies for it. As we receive compassion from him, we have an opportunity to give compassion out. One last thought that I have from this is uh, Jesus doesn't preach or teach the crowd in this passage, which is fascinating. There's not a big teaching moment. There's not a big like um, expounding of like uh, Old Testament scripture or a big thought. What he does is he gets in and he lives out compassion to the people. He is compassionate. One of the other tendencies of consumer of the consumer age is to blame institutions, churches, uh, for not providing programs or ways for people to do things. To say, why aren't you helping me be more compassionate, church? Why aren't you doing this thing for me? Well, compassion isn't a program, and it isn't an event for us to organise. It might become a program, it might become an event, but it doesn't start as those things. It begins with people receiving compassion from Jesus, walking with him and being led and shaped by his spirit to give compassion to others. Every individual is a follower of Jesus, gets to receive compassion and give compassion. Not blame an institution for not doing it, but you get to be compassionate tonight and tomorrow and the day after. You also get to receive compassion tonight, tomorrow and the day after. We get to pray for each other, we get to, to help each other, make each other I feel like we belong, to see gathering as God's people as an opportunity to serve, not to um, just consume. Compassion isn't a program, it isn't an event. Compassion is an act. We move towards each other in our worst and say, I am for you. Jesus begins by being compassionate. May we be a people that might begin by being compassionate. May he, by his spirit, continue to transform us into a people who receive his compassion and give it to others. Might we be a church that doesn't just say we're compassionate compassionate to all others? May we be a church that people don't even have to ask what we value because they see it amongst us. As they walk in this room, they go, man, these people just are so compassionate towards us. That our community and our world might know that we have received compassion from Jesus, so we just give it out generously to all. Consumer age says, do what's best for you. Consume what you can. The resources around you, the people around you are all about making your life better. The Jesus age, the Jesus culture says, we have been given so much. God has moved so much towards us and blessed us so much that we might move towards others with great compassion. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the way you have loved us and moved towards us. 
Thank you so much for the way you've cared for us and the way you've shown us compassion. Empower in us by your spirit a desire and a skill and a need to show compassion to those around us. May this be a place that is built on your work, that is shaped by who you are, a place of compassion that moves out beyond these walls to the world that needs you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.